The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. The process we develop here with you, with this community, this study and, and, and uh, study and practice process really does allow for this kind of, yeah, being moved by others' inspirations. And in my case, you know, wanting to riff a little bit off several of the things that have come up, including these most recent comments from Brian, just because they're most recent, right? So they're kind of in the mind. But um, I think we'll find as we start to move through the sutta now, uh, having taken this kind of overview and kind of talked about some of the general, you know, sort of inspirational things and reflections that bring us to it, we'll find all sorts of riches as we start to unpeel layers and dig into it. And so I'll, I'll make comments that maybe go back to a couple of things that have been raised. Um, but that's very much what we do as we put these together is, you know, Ying says something brilliant, Kim comes up with something wonderful, Diana adds something deep, um, you know, and, and, and we, we all kind of move, moved by it. And also, um, you know, our practice is deepened by it. So we, we want to begin in chapter two, the second recitation, the part that in the Walsh translation that we've used is referred to as the second uh, chapter, and just start to walk through it a bit and see what comes up. And I'm going to give you some stuff that came up for me this morning as I reread it, uh, rereading these, going back to them, looking for other things, seeing what's there now is, is how one, one mode of, the, of this practice. But as we begin chapter two, we're given the place where the Buddha is. And along with the sense of a real human, wandering as an itinerant teaching, you know, that's enhanced or it's always, we're always reminded of that, that these things happened at places at times and, you know, with specific audiences. And in section 2.2, with an audience of monks, the Buddha brings forth a teaching that is familiar, I think, to everybody here, a teaching you know, that's come to be known as the Four Noble Truths. And he points out that there's a teaching here, a formal teaching, which, which just like us, everybody gathered around this particular day, this particular occasion in Kotigama knows. Um, but he's saying something a little different about it. Uh, he's reminding them that it's because of our difficulty in really understanding, bringing within, living uh, an understanding of the arising of suffering, uh, and its cessation, that we continue round and round. And it's interesting, an interesting parallel. He's traveling round and round at the end of a long teaching life of traveling round and round, as Brian pointed out. And here he is in a metaphor talking about how the way we, the reason we keep traveling around all our lives in this sort of cycle of um, re-becoming and, and suffering is because we fail to take these teachings to heart. There are teachings sometimes we know, but we don't, as Brian said, you know, we don't just know them intellectually and that's good enough. No, we keep returning to them over and over again, just like this great teacher, teacher does in his final months. Um, he says it, uh, he says it in prose in uh, the, the tradition or the text, and then he says it in verse. And again, the verse, I think, suggests that um, we bring it within, we memorize it in some fashion, literally at that time, and then now by maybe studying it in this fashion, and we bring these teachings deep, um, deep within. Um, 
in the same place, and we assume just because it comes in this order after this discussion with monks, and perhaps to a um, to a perhaps to a, a broader audience, he gives what's referred to here at section two point four two dot four a comprehensive discourse. <clears throat> this is the <clears throat> this is sort of ethical action that's consistent with the path of practice. This is the meditative uh, uh, practice that's consistent with practice. This is the wisdom, the insight the understanding, the deep understanding that can come from this practice. And I had given this little uh, teaser earlier, just that here's the Buddha providing what I think he's come to sense are his final round of teachings. Um, And uh, we find here what might be referred to as the basic teachings. And I think it's always a reminder when we think to ourselves, as we do occasionally, man, I just spent this whole half hour chasing down my mind again. I'm still, I'm still in a basic place. Or we're told by a teacher to bring attention to the breath and we go, oh, here's these basic instructions again. I always replace the word basic with the word foundational. It's on these foundations that this practice uh, is established. And um, we don't get to advanced practice. These are the advanced practices. And the Buddha's reminding that here too. And what I think we could sort of take as a farewell tour, (laughs) final visits, last visits, final teachings, farewells. He's reminding people and reminding us at a couple thousand years removed of the foundations of these teachings. What's most important to take away? Ethical action, a dedication to the meditation practice, the seeking of insight and wisdom that provides some freedom. And I don't think it escapes anybody here that this comprehensive teaching is in a way, a way of holding the teaching in the previous passage about the four noble truths. Right. So moving on from that sort of foundational teaching to um, another section in two point in in chapter, so-called chapter two, the second main division of the text, keeping an eye on the clock and an eye on my iPad where I have the text. (laughs) I'm just keeping an eye on the text as we go. Um, He moves to a different town. He moves on from Kotigama to uh, Nadika. And here, uh, Ananda, his longtime attendant, probably a cousin, approaches him and asks, um, tells him that uh, a certain monk has died, a certain nun has died, a certain lay practitioner, uh, several have died. And he wants to know how awake were they? And he asks this by saying, after their deaths, what sort of destination do they find? Which is a, a way, a, a traditional way of asking, yeah, what were the, you know, where, where, what were the fate of these, um, these practitioners? And the Buddha tells him, I would say, though, that in this very brief passage, we shouldn't miss the fact that the Buddha is going to provide a sense of a continuum or spectrum of awakening experiences and that everyone's included, monks, nuns, so male and female monastic practitioners and lay practitioners like ourselves. So this sutta really is for us, in addition to many other suttas, which have a monastic audience as their, as their principle. So in these final teachings, the Buddha is including everyone in these discussions. It's, it's not for just people who live their lives in monastic practice or spend all, all their days on retreat, but also just for regular practitioners who 
you know, struggle with a busy mind that keeps planning uh, how I'm going to respond to that email when I get off this Zoom call, right? The mind we're most, most of us are pretty familiar with. Um, the Buddha then gives this sense of, well, this, this, is, the, this, is, the, this is the level of, I, I, I guess I'm avoiding saying the word attainment, but this is the, I think you could say the kind of the sort, the quality of awakening that this practitioner knew. And he gives sort of a, it's a hierarchy, but the important thing I think not to miss is that it's a hierarchy, true, but it's a spectrum. So there are different, it's suggested here, you know, different ways to come to the awakening experiences and different ways to live them, different ways to express them, share them with others, different ways that they benefit us and benefit other beings. That's all available in these few sweet lines. Um, Interestingly, and we had a question about imperfections. I don't know if it's an imperfection or not. It's certainly a mark of the human quality that at 2.8, the Buddha says to Ananda, you know, I don't mind giving these answers and I, I know that I know them. Um, but if you were to keep asking me the fate of each practitioner like this at each stop on this final uh, farewell tour, um, it would be, he says, um, this would be a weariness to him which is maybe just a sense of, okay, I'm getting a little, I don't know if exasperated with these questions, but it, it, there's some weariness happening. The Buddha says it would be a weariness to him. It's a very gentle way of saying, yeah. But he says, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a trick. It's called the mirror of the Dhamma and it's spelled out in two, section 2.9. How do you know how, where practitioners are? You know by sensing whether they have an unwavering confidence in the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. And here he generalizes a bit. He means this literally, but because he knows he's dying, maybe it has more general significance. That when you run into practitioners and you get a sense of unwavering confidence, rooted confidence, unshakable confidence, confirmed confidence, confidence built on uh, the depth of practice and direct experience of the wisdom that's available in the practice, um, then you can have an idea um, of the, um, and when they have this confidence in the Buddha, the teacher, the, uh, the power of, or potential of awakening in the teachings themselves, in the community of practitioners. And when, in addition, um, they are practicing, um, they are living ethical uh, lives, then you can know that they are, um, they are practicing in ways that are consistent with my teaching and the inspiration that I've given to, uh, to the world. And this is a really interesting response because it sort of lays out what constitutes, it's another way in a, in a way of, of answering the question, what constitutes um, um, depth in the, in the practice and uh, the awakening experiences. As, um, as I read this, I'm just looking at, at a note I wrote down earlier. As I read this, I felt a resonance with another part of the sutta. And this is something we'll do occasionally in this and that we encourage you to do, which is when you feel an echo from another part of a sutta or possibly even another sutta, it can go, be good to go look at it. Um, we recognize the four of us that in a passage in chapter four, which I'll bring up on the screen here. 
the Buddha responds to another question about sort of a similar matter. Instead of answering a question about um, the, uh, the destination after death of practitioners, he's asked about how, how, do, how do you know, how will we know when a teaching is aligned with the, the teachings that you have given? And he says, I will teach you four criteria, four ways of knowing whether a teaching is um, consistent or aligned with the teachings that I, that I have provided. And essentially, he bases this on different, uh, different communities and different sort of strength or um, uh, saturation in a community of the teachings. Are there a lot of elders that carry forth uh, these teachings or say that these are the teachings or, or is it a smaller number? But he says this, then when you hear that somebody has said, this is the teaching of the Buddha, without approving or disapproving it, the words should be carefully noted and compared with the suttas and reviewed in the light of the discipline. That is the rules of conduct that, that, that um, structure uh, the community of Buddhist uh, followers. In this case, the monastic discipline. But this is a really interesting passage to know whether something is aligned with Buddhist teachings, we're instructed here to do, and the reason I brought it up on the screen is just to emphasize the fact that in this class, and by bringing this up on the screen, we're actually doing what's recommended here. We're checking out the teachings that we've received, that we've been taught, that we've listened to an Endless Dharma Talks podcast, sitting listening to the teacher's talk. We're checking it against the suttas, is it aligned? Oh, and this is given as a final instruction of the Buddha as a way to figure out whether people are practicing in a way that are, is consistent with the teachings and whether the teachings that we hear are, are consistent with what the Buddha intended that would be his, his teaching legacy. So I'm going to pass it now over to Kim and ask that she do our first um, sort of bringing some of what we've, you know, a lot of the talk here, sort of bring it into some practice for us, ground it a little bit. We've grounded it in community with the breakout groups, inspiration that brings us all here shared together. And uh, maybe Kim can help us ground it a little bit in some meditation practices. 